SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number two of our two-hour extravaganza. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in, taking you right up until 10 a.m. Eastern time. Our toll-free telephone number, 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll-free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E. Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact, Scott icon, and fire away. Emails, tweets, little phone call stuff. Uh, maybe a little YouTube chat as well. I haven't gotten onto YouTube yet uh, on this uh, Sunday morning. Lot to get to this last hour. We'll check out the NBA one more time from last night in NHL. We'll preview the games that are on later on this afternoon. I uh, got a couple of tennis matches uh, to break down here a little bit. And and I tell you what, I said the first hour, it is true. We'll get back into that as far as uh, being a little too excited about losing. Uh, big news from uh, New York Mets land. Uh, that that Tease Jr. deal, I want to get into here for a second. Very strange. I don't know if you saw that story or not from from uh, Ken Rosenthal over at The Athletic. And uh, we'll do our prop plays uh, for uh, later on today in the NHL and NBA. So a lot to get to. We'll start in the NBA. Last night, you had a rematch of the NBA Finals as the Miami Heat beat the L.A. Lakers uh, 86, uh, excuse me, 96-94. LeBron held only 19 points. Alex Caruso hits a jump or fails to make a jumper at the buzzer. That would have tied the game, sent it to overtime. Uh, but instead, Miami gets the rare win. They've struggled this year. They've struggled on this West Coast trip, but they're able to beat the Lakers, who have now lost two in a row. Um, and you always, 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 I, I got a couple of goofy uh, betting systems that I like to follow and that you LL loyal listeners know about. One is we uh, play on an anti-celebration theory. Whenever a championship team gets its rings, or raises, uh, you know, the the rafters, the the banner, championship banner, whatever night that is, you always play against them. Always, always, always. It's the anti-celebration theory. And I tell you, way more time, again, official numbers, but just way more times than not, on those particular nights, those teams end up losing, believe it or not. Uh, One of the other kind of goofy ones, if you want to say that, is the team that lost to their opposition in the championship the year before, i.e. Miami versus the Lakers, you always play them the first time when they meet up the next year. All the incentive is on that team that lost. They're out to prove that they should have won. They got screwed over. Um, you know, they want to show the other team that they really are good. But, but, you know, whatever the case theory thinking you may have, that team, in this case, Miami wins. And they were only a three-and-a-half-point dog. You know, for a team like Miami that has struggled all year, five games under five hundred heading into this game, going up against a Laker team, which was coming off a loss, I mean, they were begging you. They, they were begging you to take the Lakers last night. And uh, lo and behold, they lose at home to Miami, 96-94. Uh, elsewhere, Washington was another strange little line, right? Couldn't figure that one out. Portland's playing good basketball. You know, Washington, you know, they, they played actually played halfway decent. Well, they won two in a row. Um, you know, but still, Washington was only a three-and-a-half-point underdog at Portland. Really? With Portland playing as good as it's been playing of late, I know first game back from a long uh, East Coast trip, but man, yeah, lo and behold, Washington wins outright. 
Uh, very, all the strange little doings around the uh, NBA last night kind of came through. And then the other one, which, uh, th- this is a tough one. This is one of my better plays. I, I like Golden State laying two at Charlotte. Steph Curry going back to Charlotte. You know, that's where he grew up. Father played for the Hornets for the most part. Bounced around the league a little bit. But, you know, he's known as a Charlotte Hornet slash Bobcat, you know, Dell Curry. And I think he always takes those games a little extra, extra special, extra meaningful, right? They have the lead 100 to 98. So we're thinking, okay, nine seconds left. They're going to inbound the basketball, and uh, they're going to get fouled. Then we go to the free throw line, and, you know, hopefully they make their free throws and they win the game by three or four and they cover, right? <clears throat> what happens? Well, they inbound the basketball, but they get tied up and they get a jump ball called. Now, Golden State's trying to call a timeout, but they don't give it to them. They say, nope, the jump occurred first. Okay. They do a jump ball. Charlotte wins the ball. Gordon Hayward falls to the ground, is trying to call timeout, but he's got Draymond Green draped all over him trying for the jump ball again. Unlike the last time where they allowed the jump ball to win out over the timeout, this time they allowed the timeout from Charlotte to win out over the jump ball. So Charlotte gets the jump. uh, Charlotte keeps the basketball with nine seconds left. Draymond goes berserk, gets a double technical, Charlotte hits two free throws to tie the game, and they still remember how the basketball, and uh, Terry Rozier hits a jumper at the buzzer, and the Hornets win a 102-100. Wow. That's a, that, that's a tough loss. That's a, you know, I, I admire, and I really, I do appreciate Draymond Green's passion. I think he's shown over these last couple of seasons that he's not a superstar player in the NBA, whereas maybe you could have made that case when they had the big three all together and everything else, but... Clearly, he's not on that level, and that's okay. No, no crime in that. But man, you just you can't lose your cool like that. You just can't, especially for Golden State. Now, if this is the Lakers or the the uh, Bucks or you know pick a team, Seventy Sixers, where it really doesn't matter if you win or lose, no big deal. But for Golden State, you know when when they're clinging on, I know there's a lot of left in the regular season, but. You know, they're, they're sitting there in the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. They need every single win. They got teams that figured to do a little bit better second half, including Dallas, that is not in a playoff spot. They cannot afford to piss away victories. And uh, they did last night, thanks to Draymond Green, getting a double technical foul. Well, that's horrible. That, you just, and even uh, their head coach, Steve Kerr, ripped them afterwards. And you don't generally hear Steve Kerr rip his players when he said he went over the line. All right, more coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Call on a loose ball that becomes a jump ball um, that, you know, they get a timeout on. Um especially because in the exact same situation, um, I was trying to call a timeout when Brad had the ball at the top of the key um, when they forced the jump ball just prior to that. Um, So given that the exact same thing happened back to back, um, only we actually had possession of the ball um, when when I tried to call timeout Uh, and then watching the replay after the game, a loose ball you know the balls the ball is actually bouncing on the floor Draymond dives after it um, in my estimation 
should be another jump ball. Um, as for the uh, technicals, uh, Draymond can't do that. He knows that. Uh, he made a terrible mistake uh, getting teed up and giving them a chance to shoot two free throws and tie the game. That's Steve Kerr, Golden State Warriors head coach. Uh, he he uh, echoed what I said there. That's, that's exactly what happened. You know, they get a jump ball called in one situation. They don't get a jump ball called in another situation. Uh, you know, that is difficult. You know, when you're watching on TV or looking at the highlight, you can't hear the players calling timeout. If he's got the ball on the ground, he's calling a timeout. And if you're a referee, you acknowledge it. It's like, okay, then that, that's what it is. But that is the bottom line with Draymond. You got to realize, you know, these officials, they don't know. You can't go berserk. You can't go nuts. He knows by now. He just, he, he pissed away, a, you know, Golden State an opportunity to win. Let's put it that way. You know, maybe the guy, you know, maybe Rozier still hits the jumper uh, to send the game to overtime. But, you know, the other thing is uh, seconds before the game literally was going to get underway, they did not play Steph Curry. Out with illness. That's, you know, he looked fine to me. You know, they show him in warm-ups and everything, and he's got his uniform on, and he's out there shooting and stuff, but he, he couldn't give it a go. So he didn't play. So that, he was a late scratch, if you were wondering, you know, how, how uh, Steph did. So on a day in which I played Golden State because he was going back to Charlotte, and I figured he'd be extra pumped for the game, he doesn't even play the game. So, uh, you know, who knows how sick he really was. I'm sure he was sick. He's never been one to tank it or anything, so I don't doubt that. But it's just that's frustrating. When you don't get word until literally minutes before the game that he's not playing, uh, that, that's a tough one. So Charlotte ends up winning the basketball game. So good win for uh, the Hornet Bobcats as they knock off uh, uh, Golden State. Big one later on today. You got Brooklyn and uh, the L.A. Clippers squaring off as uh, Brooklyn is on this uh, West Coast trip here where you got showdowns. Uh, Lakers uh, on Friday night and uh, – or, yeah, Friday night. And then now, now you got the Clippers coming up. No Kevin Durant again. They already ruled out yesterday that he's not playing. So – I don't know when he's going to come back. You know, it's supposedly it was a day-to-day type of thing. But, again, he's got a strained left hamstring. There's just no reason to really bring him back, unfortunately, with the NBA. It just, you know, they're in second place in the Eastern Conference. And doesn't matter if they finish in second or seventh or eighth, for that matter. Quite frankly, there's, there's no great team. You know, if Philadelphia is the number one team in the East – there's just no reason to, to hurry Durant or any of these guys back. So you're going to get Clippers and Nets tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Still a pretty good game. And listen, the Nets have played well with that without Durant. But it would be nice to see the big three on the court. And you're going to get the, the Clippers full team, I think anyway. They came back Friday night when they beat the Utah Jazz. So I would think you'd get the uh, you know Kawhi and, and Paul George back. So kind of a litmus test for sure for the Nets, who have done very well for themselves of late. 19-12 uh, and 12 overall. And if we didn't get an NBA Finals preview with the uh, Nets and Lakers the other night, then uh, we're going to get it tonight with the uh, Nets and LA Clippers. I, 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 as much as I love the Jazz and love what they're doing, do I believe in them ultimately to get to the NBA Finals? No, I do not. Uh, no, no, I do not. So, um, But Clippers are a six-point favorite later on tonight, over under 237. That's where, you know what, I'll sit back and I'll enjoy the game and I'll appreciate the Nets and I'll appreciate the Clippers, but you got to go right back on the over on the Nets. I know the game went under against the Lakers, 
But the Lakers are an under team. Clippers are an over team. Big difference. And uh, it's up to 237, and that's it's not a small number. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's a big number to have to get. But you know what? 20 and 4 are the Nets over their last 24 games. 20 and 4. You really have four monster streaks and maybe three going right now in the NBA. You got the Nets at 20 and 4. You got the Jazz at uh, 22 and 1 and 1 against the spread. Or 19. 19, 2 and 1, despite the loss the other night. So they're still 19, 2 and 1. You got to go with that. You got the um, <clears throat> Cleveland Cavaliers. Are 0 and 12 very quietly? You know, we're all talking about the Jazz, all talking about the Nets, but from a betting standpoint, Cleveland is 0 and 12 against the spread, and believe you me, they are getting crushed. We we've talked about. It. Unfortunately, they're not playing tonight, so I won't spend that much time on it. But they are getting a night. They're they're losing the games. All of those except for two have been by double digits. They got blown out the other day They're against Denver. They weren't even competitive. They ended up losing by only 17, but they were just getting, wow. That team has gone. Oh, actually, my bad. They are in action tonight against the, the Thunder. Uh, my bad. OKC's a two-point favorite. You know what? Got to play OKC. There's your there's your uh, two-team parlay reverse. Uh, Oklahoma City laying two at Cleveland and the over in the Nets game. Absolutely. Well, you can get okay. OKC is pretty good on the road. They're seven and nine on the road. Cadaver's not too bad at home, seven and eight. But like I said, when you lose that many games, and they have lost basically those games outright. They've lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine in a row outright. And then, uh, like I said, the twelve in a row against the spread. And they've lost uh, ten of uh, or eleven of twelve in that stretch straight up. The only win they had was against the the Timberwolves uh, by th- uh, by two, in which they didn't cover as two and a half three point favorites. So um, they're getting and, and they're losing. Listen to these scores: one hundred two eighty one, one twenty one ninety nine, one twenty three one hundred five, one twenty four ninety nine, one thirty three ninety five, one twenty nine one ten, one twenty eight one eleven, one twenty eight ninety eight. 120-103. They're not even competitive. I mean, they're not even coming close to covering this spread. They got two losses in that stretch. Six-point loss at Phoenix somehow or another, even though they were only five-point underdogs uh, because Phoenix was playing without a bunch of their players. And a five-point loss against uh, Minnesota, which is embarrassing anyway. Other than that, every one of their losses have been by double digits. And I would say, without uh, looking real here quickly, I would say every one of those would be by 15 points or more as well. Maybe even 18 points. Um, 17. 17 points or more, looks like. Yeah. I mean, that's that's bad. That is bad. So you got it. No matter what. And like I said, Oklahoma City's not bad on the road. So you got to play them tonight laying just two. Absolutely. That's a, that's an afternoon game. So check for that. That, that would be... I think I probably like that even more than I like the over in the Nets game. But both of those, I guess, if you had to, you know, if you had to go with one, I'd probably go with uh, OKC laying the two versus the Nets over, just because maybe, just maybe, you know, the Clippers and Nets uh, think it's going to be a playoff type of game, and they they play a little bit of defense. Um, I wouldn't worry about Durant not playing. I wouldn't use that as a reason to go under. But you know, if, if you had to go one of the two, if you're if you're one of those guys that just give me just one. 
then it would be OKC laying the two at Cleveland. Uh, you know, you, you can't uh, you can't be that bad. So, but I'll take a look at some of the other NBA games. We got our NBA props for for uh, today as well. We uh, <clears throat> we do the same thing, you know, with uh, kind of like shots on goal, except we actually do it in reverse in that we go with the under on these guys. And I, I tell you, it's amazing. We'll take a break. We'll come back. You think the boys in Vegas and FanDuel are pretty sharp? It's remarkable how sharp they really can be. Uh, we got some over-under props to prove that point. That uh, and then some uh, NHL plays and some uh, college basketball plays as well today on a Sunday right here at Sports Grid Radio Series sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com also too that the warriors you you may get steph is uh what is happening being escorted off the court by Rick Celebrini there, so we didn't see anything in warm-ups, but Boulder is going to start. Steph is not in the starting lineup, so we will wow. effort the uh, the story on that. All right, we this was just before the tip was supposed to be happening at center court. Yeah, he's going through his uh, usual oh. warm-up routine. He just uh, did not feel well at all, and. Um, so he came back in, uh, saw the Charlotte team doctor, um, went out, tried to tried to warm up, and just wasn't wasn't feeling good. And so we we made the decision, uh, training staff and Steph uh, and I, we all made the decision to to not play him. So we'll see we'll see how he's doing tomorrow. There were no protocols in place. It's just him feeling sick. Y'all still want me to come with you? That's uh, Golden State head coach uh, Steve Kerr and, and the uh, Steph Curry situation. Warriors ready to never. When I, so when I told you before that it was uh, literally seconds before the game, I mean, it was literally seconds before the game. So... That's that's uh, you know that that's what happens when you play with the boys in Vegas. Sometimes you get screwed. You, you get screwed. There's no word. Didn't know he was sick. Didn't know there was a possibility of him not playing. Uh, you know, check all the websites beforehand. You know that they give the updates on the player. There was nothing there. He's dressed. He's warming up. Everything looked fine. You know, and I don't know what I don't know if it's a Corona thing. That doesn't sound like it. Just sounds like he he's just you know not feeling well. And then that's that's the end of that. I'm sure we'll find out a little more later on today, but. Uh, no doubt in my mind, had they had Steph Curry, they would have won that basketball game. But instead, they lose by two. Thank you very much, Draymond Green. All right, uh, yours truly sitting in, taking you right up until 10 a.m. Eastern time on uh, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Let's check out our props uh, for it. It is amazing with the boys in Vegas. Right? Every single time you think you have an angle on something, boy, you just get slapped in the face with the reality. So I thought, and you know, that, most people with these props, and I think it's true, bet overs, right? You know, for point totals. Uh, forget about assists and all that other goofiness. But just point totals, you know, who's betting a Steph Curry under? Who's betting a Bradley Beal under? Who's betting a LeBron James under, right? And nobody. We're all betting overs. Hey, I, I bet you 
80% of all prop bets like that are bet over. So, you know, you know that. I know that. And the boys in Vegas know that. So I'm thinking that they're going to bump those lines up by a point or two. So if you go under, you're going to get some value. So this week, I grabbed every single star player of these teams that were in action, got their point totals, and we followed up and saw how well they did. Yesterday, um, it was a pretty even split, six and six. Monday, it was nine and seven, and this is over, nine, se- nine over, seven unders. Tuesday, nine overs, ten unders. Wednesday, 12 overs, six unders. Thursday, two and five, two overs, five unders. Friday, 10 overs, 13 unders. And then yesterday, six and six. So what was the total, Scott? Pretty, uh, you know, pretty close there. Yeah. Out of 95 guys that we used, believe it or not, it went 47 over and 48 under. (laughs) I mean, what are the odds? Even over under point total props, the boys in Vegas don't give you a free play insight. I mean, it's just Andrew Wiggins went over yesterday. We used we were going to use Curry uh, for, for Golden State Charlotte. We uh, I had pinpointed Curry, Wiggins, and Gordon Hayward. Golden State and Charlotte. Wiggins went over. He had 19. His total was 17 and a half. Hayward went under. He had 13. His total was 21 and a half. Miami Lakers. We used Jimmy Butler, LeBron James. They said they have to, you know, there are other guys, but you got to use the creme de la creme, right? Uh, Butler had 24, so he went over 20 and a half. LeBron only had 19. He went under his 29 and a half. Sacramento, Chicago. De'Aaron Fox for uh, Sacramento. For some odd reason, they didn't have, when I looked, they didn't have a total for him. I, I don't know why, but uh, I'm guessing eventually they did. And if they did, it would have been over 20. So I'm going to count him as an under. Zach Levine, 38. His total was 30 and a half. He's gone over. Now, I, I was disappointed to see his total be as high as it was, 30 and a half. That's a lot of points. But I will tell you, he, he is uh, starting to be a real, real offensive force. So one and one out of Sacramento, Chicago. Phoenix and Memphis, Devin Booker had 23. He went under. His total was 25 and a half. Chris Paul had 16 points. He went under. His total was 17 and a half. And then John Morant went under. Uh, his total was 19 and a half. So 0 and 3 in that game. I'll tell you what about John Morant. You talk about players that really haven't like taken that next step. Like we all think maybe Jamal Murray should be the greatest thing in the world. And you know, we're waiting him for him to really become a super superstar. And carry that Nuggets team to the point where people think that they could challenge one of the big three. Kind of same thing with Morant. You know, this year, his second year, has not, you know, uh, progressed to what he did last year. If you play, I bet his over-under totals go under a lot more. So, 12 for him, 0-3 Phoenix and Memphis. Washington and Portland, 3-0. Bradley Beal had 37. Uh, with a total of 31 and a half. Westbrook had 27 with a total of 21 and a half. And Lillard had 35 with a total of 33 and a half. So uh, all three over there. So when you add them up, 3 and 0, 0 and 3, 3 and 3, 4 and 4, 5 and 5, 6 and 6. There you go. So uh, 47 and 48. Amazing. So why don't we just go back to, uh, you know what, Scott? Why don't we just go back to playing the, the, the plays then against the spread? The good old fashioned, the old, you know, call up your local Louis de Lip. How did the, the favorites and underdogs go this week? 
Favorites yesterday went one and four straight up and against the spread. This after going eight and one on Friday. You know, if you play the zigzag theory, boy, that, that was an obvious go with the underdogs yesterday. All right. Favorites on Sunday, last Sunday, went three and seven straight up and against the spread. Four and three the next day. Four and two on Tuesday, straight up and against the spread. Wednesday, five and five, four, five and one against the spread. Favorites 0 and 3 on Thursday. They covered. Uh, oh, oh, they would have to be uh, 0 and 3. I put one and two. Oh, that was over under. 0 and 3 uh, against the spread as well. Uh, favorites 8 and 1 straight up and against the spread on Friday, like I said, and then uh, yesterday 1 and 4 straight up and against the spread. Very bizarre week, I will tell you that. Uh, but overall, 25 and 25 were the favorites this week, straight up. 24, 25, and 1 against the spread. There was only one favorite this week that didn't cover. And that, that's that, that's uh, Wednesday. I, I didn't say who it was. I, I, don't, I had to go back and figure it out. Not that difficult, but I didn't you know, jot that down. But how about that? 24 out of 25 straight-up winners as favorites covered the number. That's pretty good. You know, you generally get one or two a night. You know, the, the general, I know in the NFL, it's right around 20%. You get favorites that win but don't cover. So I'm guessing the NBA is, is somewhat similar. But this week, only one favorite all week. But how, how funny is that? Straight up favorites, 25 and 25. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. You, you just did it 24-25, more importantly, against the spread. I mean, again, every time you think you have an angle, Vegas wins out. Over-unders a little. It was good over week, though. 29 overs and 21 unders. Two and three yesterday only, but still, um, you had a couple of decent days in there at the beginning of the week. You had six and four over on Sunday, six and one on uh, Monday, seven and three on Wednesday, and then pretty much even the rest of the way. So eight games over if you played the overs, which is uh, you know what a lot of people, again, tend to do. Hockey, similar type of thing. I, I have favorites. Uh, seven and eight yesterday with uh, one game pick them for the week. Twenty three favorites won, twenty two lost, and you had two games as pick them. I mean, it's amazing the consistency that the boys in Vegas are able to come up with. I mean, it's just if I told you give me twenty two winners, twenty three winners, you know, to finish two, three, four, five games over five hundred, you'd be able to do that. You know, just by picking the favorites, you would think, right? Nope. 23, 22, and 2. You know what it does tell you? And I'm going to follow it again next week. It tells you, you know, if you just bet these underdogs on the money line. Now, NHL favorites are not like uh, NBA favorites. NBA favorites, you bet the underdogs on the money line. You, you, can, you can get yourself plus 170, plus 210, plus 250 in some of these games. Uh, NHL, that's generally not the case. You know, an NHL favorite is generally minus 140, maybe minus 150. Um, you know, in games in Ottawa, Detroit play, you might get a two to one favorite in the NHL. But for the most part, you know, an underdog in hockey is probably only getting you back 120, 130. Like I said, maybe 140. Otherwise, they're pretty much pick them. So, but NBA, no. But it, that's what, you know, they, they tell you just play the underdogs. If you're gonna play, you know, uh, you know, underdogs at the point spread, just just take them on the money line. You might as well grab them on the money line. You're gonna make way, way more money, to tell you the truth. And again, if last week is any indication, only one favorite won and didn't cover. So you might as well bet all those underdogs on the money line. 
All right, well, we'll look at it again. I like to do this stuff. I like to follow this stuff on our morning show. But that is amazing. Is it a 23-22-2? And, and in over-unders in hockey, a uh, slight underdog as far as uh, the unders. Uh, only 16 overs, 27 unders with one push. So a good 11 <coughs> games, uh, more unders than there were overs uh, this week. So as we get closer and closer to the postseason with the NHL, I think that's going to happen a lot more. Start getting playoff hockey. You know, these teams take things a little bit more seriously at their end of the ice. So. All right, coming up 37 past the hour, Scott Wetzel on a Sunday morning. Getting you set for a big day of uh, everything. Tennis, golf, you name it, we have it right here. Opposite thing. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Big Sunday morning, 40 minutes past the hour. You're truly sitting in, taking it right up until 10 a.m. Eastern time. <clears throat> Big slate of NBA uh, later on tonight. We got some hockey. We got the uh, NHL outdoors game set for this afternoon. Actually going to be played later on tonight. The uh, Lord willing, uh, the sun doesn't shine too brightly in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> we got uh, a little college basketball this afternoon. And uh, tennis finished up this morning. I had to tell you, I saw it again. It's very peculiar. It, it really is, and we'll go over the prop plays that we're going to do uh, for, for later on today as well. Uh, don't know if you caught it. It ended early, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning or so, as uh, Novak Djokovic ended up winning the Australian Open again. Ninth Australian Open. He's undefeated as a number one seed at the Australian Open, and he was pick'em uh, heading into this match. I mean, 41-0 and 0 in matches as the number one seed at the Australian. So he gets his ninth Australian, 18th of his career. Beats the Daniel Medvedev in straight set. A straight 5-2-2. Two and two. Seven, five. And this match was tied. Think about this. This match was tied 5-5 in the first set. So that means uh, Djokovic won uh, 6-12-14. 14 of the last 18 games. The last two in the first set. And then 6-2, 6-2 in the next two sets. I mean, for a finals, I mean, you don't get that in the first round sometimes. Heck, Djokovic lost five sets in this in this uh, uh, Australian Open. So guys in the earlier rounds put up a better fight than Daniel Medvedev. And this was a pick em. Pick em. Ugh. What a gift from the boys at FanDuel in Vegas. What an absolute. Novak Djokovic in a final at pick em. I could understand the five to one earlier in the week when the guy slipped up and, and hurt himself, tore a muscle supposedly uh, in his uh, midsection in the third round, so it looked like he was injured. Uh, the one guy that nobody ever heard of, uh, you know, took him to five sets. So I, I understand five to one, but you know he's clearly shown over his last couple of matches he's he's back to normal and he's healthy, and then whatever injury he may have had, you know, right, right out the window with that for him to have been pick him. Oh, that, that's just nuts. So. But I watched it again. Daniel Medvedev, I'm telling you, after he loses on his match point, he looks up into the stands and he gives a fist pump. 
I I have never seen that reaction from a losing player in my life. Never. I've seen guys again throw rackets. I've seen guys kick dirt. I've seen guys throw helmets. I've seen guys knock over water coolers. I've seen guys throw baseball bats, gloves, caps, basketballs, kick them into the stands. I've never seen a male tennis player in particular, you know, give a fist pump to somebody in the stands after he suffers the losing point in a match of a final, no less. What does it mean? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. All I'll tell you is it seems peculiar, doesn't it? You know, whether it's th- that, it just seems weird. Do yourself a favor. You, you got to look at it closely um, because they don't stay on him very much longer. They go to Djokovic who falls on the ground. The typical tennis thing. I, you know, I like tennis, but, man, you know, these guys falling on the ground, acting like, oh, my God, I want a five-hour, five-set thriller. You, you want seven, five, six, two, six, two. Drama was out of the match a long time ago, Novak. You don't got to fall to the ground like you made this unbelievable finish. But every tennis player does it, right? Every single one. So, But it's just a little strange. You know, if I had money on Medvedev, and I didn't, and I'm seeing him give a fist pump like something good just happened after I suffered the losing point. Eh, I wouldn't like it. Let's put it that way. And then uh, Naomi Osaka yesterday morning, uh, she beat uh, Handley Brady 6-4, 6-3. So she was a 5-1 to one favorite. I, I would never do that. But she's getting to the point. That's her fourth major. She's got a long ways to go, and I'm not going to start comparing her to all-time greats. People love doing that stuff. Uh, let her let her win a few more, but you know she's starting to dominate the women's uh, tennis tour. Um, you know she she took it out on Serena pretty easily the other night in the semifinals, and uh, this was a little bit of a struggle. But she's now 12 and 0 in quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals at the majors. You know, so when she does well, she goes all the way and does well and wins the major, her fourth one. <clears throat> you know, long time before she gets up to Margaret Court and Serena, but but I'll tell you what, if she keeps her head on straight. Uh, she she could be, you know, clearly the best uh, women's tennis player uh, to carry the sport maybe for the next, you know, anywhere five to seven years. All right, uh, 844-843-6879. Why not? Let's go to the phone. It's a Sunday morning. Uh, let's go to our good friend Johnny in Manhattan, who chimes in from time to time during uh, our Monday through Friday show. What's up, John? How are you today, bud? I'm doing well, Scott. I, I want to talk about the tennis, but very quickly before that, um, the two Texas guys that were in a fight, Ramey was accusing Andrew Jones of not you know, working hard in the play or trying hard enough. Uh, I looked up uh, this guy, Andrew Jones. He, the guy beat leukemia, or he has leukemia, and he um, was practicing not too long ago with a catheter. So if you had, didn't have a dog in the fight before, my... Uh, my heart's with this kid that's, you know, fighting cancer and his teammates yelling at him for not trying hard enough. Gee, well, that's good insight. I didn't know that. Holy crow. Yeah, how do you get in that guy's face, right, out of all the players? Not to mention you're leading by double digits at the time, but, geez, of all the people you're going to yell at, you're going to yell at this poor soul? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Dude, what's your excuse for not trying? Oh, by the way, I have leukemia. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Scott, to the, uh, to the tennis I didn't really see the quite the fist pump that you saw from Medvedev, but let's just pretend he did, or let's, I'll agree with you that he well, it's did. There. Um, it's there, yeah. Well, the reason that happened was when he when Medvedev was serving in the final game of the match, 
some knucklehead from the stands did a, a whistle, like a wolf whistle, just when he was throwing it up. And it wasn't like, it was just to distract him. And uh, he, this clown in the stands did it, and then Medvedev, when the play was over, turned to him and he was like, you know, do you have to do that? And then he kind of pumped up the crowd, who was all against this presumably drunk person, for trying to distract him with, the, with this crazy whistle. And then, uh, then the guy did it uh, again on the final point of the match, uh, really going out of his way to distract Medvedev, which you know wasn't necessary. He was obviously getting uh, beat handily by uh, by uh, Novak, and so anyway, that's why I think when it was over and he turned, he kind of gestured to this guy, uh, maybe a sarcastic fist bump. Are you happy now, guy? You know, you kind of you right. really it was such poor sportsmanship. So I hope that makes a little sense and uh, puts it in perspective. Thanks, Scott. All right. Yeah, that that I didn't realize that. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was kind of like a mocking, like, yeah, exactly. You're happy now. You, you won. Is that is that how you wanted to do it? You wanted to kind of cheat to win. Um, you know, no fault on Novak's part, obviously. But, yeah, it, it, it's definitely there. He he definitely gives, like, a fist bump, and he looks in the stand. So maybe that's exactly what he was doing, John. Good uh, good, good insight there. I'll have to read the story or, or look at the final. I, I'm just looking at the highlights. So maybe I'll have to take out the final set there and, and watch that, or at least the final game anyway, and see uh, what you're talking about. All right, we lost John, but okay, good, good job, John. Appreciate that. Eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. Yeah, just little, little strange. He definitely did it. There's no two ways about it. I'm not sure what his motivation was, but maybe that uh, does explain it. And I didn't realize that the, the one kid has the leukemia. Holy crow! I mean, if you're a Texas player, how, how the heck are you getting in that guy's face, right? I mean, of all the players, uh, you know, the, the poor guy's lucky, you know, to be out there playing at this point. Uh, he, wow. And that's a that's a strange Texas program. Again, not a good look for Shaka Smart. I'll, I'll tell you that. You know, a lot of things going up and down with that Texas, whether it's football, whether it's basketball. By the way, speaking of Texas, did you see the uh, two contracts? It's some interesting things here, real quickly. They uh, gave out the information on Steve Sarkeesian's uh, new head coach of Texas football's contract. Now, here's the guy. I don't get this stuff. Here's the guy. I think this is all about ego. I really do. Here's a guy that was, you know, on Alabama's coaching staff, you know, kicked to the side, had his issues, obviously, with, with USC. Lucky to be back in coaching with Alabama, you know. Um, you know, But uh, there, there's Nikki Quick trying to help all these guys, and that's fine. They win a national championship, and I don't doubt that he played a part in it, but that Alabama machine, that, that, that team was a machine. I mean, let's face it. You and I could have been offensive coordinator for that team and won a national championship. I mean, they, they were just unbelievable, right? So he's there one year, and he gets a head coaching job. Gets to be right back into head coaching. And we're not talking about, the, you know, southwest Louisiana or, no offense, even Mississippi State. You know, he's going to Texas, right? So he's going to be thanking his lucky stars. They gave him... A uh, 34, according to uh, Football Scoop, they gave him a 34.2 million dollar six-year contract, annual salary starting at 5.2 million, and then going up by 200 thousand each year. I mean, over five million dollars. To put it into perspective, that's more than what they gave uh, the previous head coach, Tom Herman, and then they gave his assistants. Just over $13 million. Well, <clears throat> him and his assistants will make a combined over $13 million next season. That's more than what Herman and his staff netted last year. I mean, for a guy that, you know, is lucky to have a job, right? I mean, God bless him, did a good job at Alabama, but you and I could have done that. I mean, he got kicked out of USC. 
for wanting to drink. I mean, and he's lucky he's got a job. He's lucky he has a head coaching job. And then you got to pay him now, <clears throat> you know, basically him and his assistants more than what you gave the previous guy who was a failure. Man, you would have think you would have gotten Sarkeesian for like on the cheap, right? Whatever it would be, fine. I'll sign on the dotted line. It's a great institution, great facility, great expectations, blah, 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 blah. And if I got to, you know, get signed on the cheap because uh, I've had my issues, then so be it. But no, got more than Herman and his staff. Wow. And then the other one, the Fernando Tatis Jr. Do you see this story? The Athletic. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, who I used to work with, said that Tatis Jr., I didn't even think this was legal, signed a contract with Big League Advanced. Uh, Advance, which is a company that I, I guess goes to minor league players and says, listen, we're willing to give you money, but in exchange, you got to give us a percentage of your future earnings. So Fernando Tatis Jr., who don't forget's father was in, in Major League Baseball, whose father made about $14 million, uh, signed a contract with this company. They didn't say how much he signed it for. But their website says that for every $50,000 that they give a player, that player <clears throat> has to give 1% of future earnings. So that may not sound like a lot, but think about this. If, you, if they gave him $250,000, then he's got to give 5%. If they gave him a half a million dollars, he's got to give 10% of all his future earnings. So that $340 million contract that he just signed, you know, they gave, you know, got a half a million dollar, I don't want to call it a loan because it's not a loan, but maybe he got a half a million dollars. He'd have to give $34 million of that to this company. Even if he got 5%, even if he only got $250,000, he'd have to give up 5%, which is $17 million. That's bizarre, isn't it? I didn't like I said, I didn't even think companies were, were legally allowed to do that. And then when you consider that Tatis's father, you know, made some fourteen million dollars playing baseball, you think if the guy, you know, at nineteen years old was in minor league baseball when he signed this contract, you know, needed a couple of extra bucks, you think his father would be able to give that kind of money versus, you know, basically selling your soul to the devil. Wow. I wonder if his contract got buffed up a few million more by the Padres to kind of offset what he owes his company. Very strange. Very strange indeed. I'll take a break. Close up shop next. Scott Wetzel, Office Pick Series 6, SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Close up shop with a couple of things here, including some uh, winners for today. No opposite picks on Sundays. I'm going to start doing that, but but uh, for some reason, I, I just do a Monday through Friday. Uh, but maybe we'll pick that up, uh, you know, as we uh, progress along here a little bit. Uh, Eddie uh, tweets in, remember a huge point number for a late, the late Kobe Bryant. I went under. He got injured in the first five minutes, so I won. Yeah, as they pointed out to him, uh, Steph didn't play last night. So if, if you did play over Steph, 
you it was a no play, a push. You. So if he now if he played just a minute and then realized I can't go because I'm just not feeling well, then that would have been a loss, uh, unfortunately. But at least you got the the no play out of that. Uh, Bruins and Flyers later on tonight. Uh, the over under is five and a half. I mentioned this Friday night. Uh, during in-game live, I didn't have the numbers, but now I know the no number is five and a half. It's not six, but I will tell you, 22 of the last 28 outdoor games have had six goals or less. Now, again, I know the under over/under is five and a half. I get that, but I, you know, and when five, it, it's generally about four games over that. It, it, it's uh, you know almost 500. Admittedly, it is, but it's slight under, uh, but. 22 and 6. You're not going to get more than 6 goals. I'll take my chances they get 5, to tell you the truth. Uh, with the ice being what it'll be, uh, with, with the propensity to get this game in, they're not going to want to screw around and call a lot of penalties. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be slow. Uh, you know, the Bruins are a lower-scoring team, defensive team anyway. I, I'm going to go with the under on uh, Bruins and Flyers. I think that's the best bet on the board, uh, really, this afternoon, to tell you the truth. And then we're going to go against Cleveland. You know, you got to go against the Cadavers, 0-12 uh, against the spread run. So you bet OKC. You're going to go over in the net game, 20-4 and over. You got to continue with that. And then uh, I'm going to grab Ohio State plus the point and a half against Michigan. I'm just not a big believer in Michigan. Uh, call me stubborn, but I think the Buckeyes win at home, and I'm getting a point and a half to boot. I'll be back later today in Game Live. Me and Joe Lisi from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Otherwise, back tomorrow morning, 5 to 7. Enjoy your Sunday. Be safe. Wear the mask. Opposite Picks Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204.